0: Come, Holy Spirit. We bless him and we thank you for him. We thank you for all that they, that he, uh, that they carry as a family. Thank you for his, lo- his, ho- his local heart, his passion for you. And we're excited and we receive him with thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a, do, do feel free to... This is rather like the Church of England where the first roads aren't filled up. It's Vineyard. It's not Church of England. You can come to the front and keep me company up here. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I shouldn't have said we've done something wrong. We've lost two of our children to America. Actually, as any parent, we love our children to thrive. Um, and those two in America, they're thriving where they are. They're in exactly the right place. Um, and we're thrilled that they're thriving. Um, so yes, I shouldn't have said we had done something wrong. We're just, we've set them free. And they've taken their freedom. And they're thriving. And actually, that's what God is about for us. He's a parent, too. He wants us to be set free and to thrive. Um, so we, There's a few little bits, as I talk, that are going to be interactive. So I hope that's all right. Um, so the first thing I want to do before we go anywhere is I want you to just think, I want the first little thought that comes to your mind, the first few words that come to your mind, as you think about, how would I describe my character? If I was looking in the mirror, what do I see? If I knew nobody was going to know the answer that I give, what would I say, and nobody will know. I'm not gonna ask any of you to say it aloud. Nobody will know. So how do you honestly, in your heart, see yourself? And we'll come back to that in a moment. So just hold that thought. So um, Stephen Viver said, could I speak in the next of the series on the book of Ephesians? Um, so written by Paul around AD 60 when he was imprisoned to a number of churches in Asia Minor, which is why, of course, they're going there. Um, And written written to a number of churches from prison to encourage them in their faith. And it's still massively relevant to us today. And the particular verse that uh, I've been asked to speak around is the beginning of chapter 4, where Paul changes tack, having talked about the wonder of God. He's now getting into practical Christian living, and he opens it by saying, As a prisoner for the Lord, therefore, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The subtitle, though, is Living Out of Identity. Now, to me, those do rather different things because the first can make me feel quite, oh my goodness, I'm not doing well enough. Living out of my identity intrigues me. Who am I? What would it look like to live as I really am? Who does God say I am? What if I believed what he says about me rather than what I or my friends say about me? What would life look like? if I dared to do that. So living out of my identity, I think is an incredibly exciting topic. Why do I find the first bit difficult? Because I miss one word in that verse. See, If it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received, I go, I'm not doing very well. I need to be challenged. People need to call the bad things out of me. I need to change. But that's not what Paul says. There's a key word in here, which is the key to the whole thing. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then. Or as the RSV says, which I prefer for reasons I'll explain in a second, as a prisoner for the Lord, therefore. Now, I was taught at school, when you see a therefore, ask what it's there for. (laughs) So, actually, when we go back and we say, what's he saying? Ah, He's saying something about you, saying, because of what I've just been talking about, therefore, live out your calling really well. So I'm going to suggest we start just by going back a bit. And we look at at just one or two things in chapters 1 and 2. And actually, I really want to, I think as I do this, ask, whose story are we believing Are we believing the story that we tell ourselves as to who we are, the story that our friends tell us, the story that our families tell us about who we are? Or are we believing the story that God says about who we are? So let's have a look at just two or three things that you will have covered off in the last few months. Um, And maybe, maybe close your eyes and just drink in some of this incredible truth. We're told, I'm forgiven. God has lavished his kindness on us. The word lavished comes from an old French word, which means torrential, deluge. I used to think that God, when I repented, went, oh, Jesus has died, I've got to forgive him. No. He goes, yes, I can release forgiveness. Hooray. He lavishes His kindness on us imagine not difficult in England harder in Turkey not difficult in England imagine a deluge you're drenched that is how God releases his kindness on us and his forgiveness we're redeemed what does that mean that means we have been bought bought back now if I buy something precious I look after it we've been bought God's gonna look after us he cares about us you worry about your future He's much more passionate to get you there than you are. He's going to look after what he's bought. You can be assured. We're included. The biggest need of the human heart is to know that we belong. He says we belong. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then this amazing thing at the end of chapter 1 where we're told that Jesus was raised up above All rule, authority, power and dominion above every name that is named in this age and that which is to come. That's where Jesus is. Chapter 2 says I've been raised up with him to sit beside him. Hey, we're sitting with Jesus above all rule, authority, power and dominion above every name that can be named in this age and that which is to come. Whoa! We're not under any circumstances. We're over them all that's where he's put us so I was in the HDB healing room yesterday and a lady came in and she was very bent over and she was walking like this and the person who was praying for her just said "I, I think God wants you to see yourself differently did you know you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places and she began to get it and her back straightened up and as she left she said what do I do with this which was her walking frame Yes. And Derry was there and saw that happen. Because she caught. Oh, I see who I am. We have access to the Father. I mean, this is mind-blowing. The King of all creation. We have access to the Father. Um, When I was in my early 20s, I was working in the city and my dad was chairman of a small bank. Um, And so uh, he told me how to get my way through the security system of the bank. Every single other person who knew how to get through the security system and had to work there to get through. I came through because I was a son. I could walk straight through, say, good morning, on the reception desk. I knew how to to fix the codes on the security system, and I'd walk straight up to the chairman's office. We've been given access to the King of Kings. Whoa! we're filled with resurrection power. We belong, we're family. So that's the truth. And then the question is whose story do I believe? When I look in the mirror, is that who I see? Or do I see someone else? When I walk into that meeting, when I walk into university, walk into school, who do I see? Who do I believe I really am? So here's just a few questions to help us grapple with, in reality, who do I think I am? Okay. Let's go. There's about ten of them, and I'll go through them quite quickly. Do you seek to be valued, or do you know you are valued? God says you're immeasurably valuable. We don't need to seek value from people. The King of Kings has adopted us into his family. We're done. That's cool. Do you plead for forgiveness, or do you receive it joyfully? He loves to forgive. That's why Jesus came. Do you plead in your prayer life? What do you know you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places above everything that is messing around? And you can declare, get into line. Or like in the House of Commons when the speaker goes, order, order. That's what we do. We're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Do you see yourself as a victim of circumstances? Or do you know that you're in Christ's victory parade? You are being walked behind Jesus Christ in victory. As a lovely friend of mine says, you are condemned to victory. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Do you sometimes feel that some person or some circumstance has robbed you of your destiny? Or do you believe that your heavenly father has bought you and you're so valuable that actually his passion to get you there is way bigger than yours. He never has plan B for us. It's always plan A. I don't think we can mess up his plan. Actually, I think it's quite arrogant to think that we can. Really, little me can mess up what he wants to do. Not sure that quite fits. I think he's bigger than that. If I take a wrong turn, He'll find another way to get me where I'm meant to be. When we mess up, do we run from God? Or do we run to God? He's longing to forgive and get us back. Are you worried that your dreams will never happen? Or do you know his love well enough that you dare to dream? God loves dreamers. Look at scripture. There's crazy dreamers there. I mean, people taking absurd risks because they just had a dream. Um, I love Jonathan and his armor bearer. I mean, if you read that story afterwards, I mean, it crackers, his dream. But God honored it. He loves dreamers. God had a dream. He had a dream that if he sent Jesus, he could redeem mankind. He didn't know it was going to work because it was up to us to respond. He had a dream. If I send Jesus, we can change everything. He loves dreamers. He loves risk-takers. Do you believe you've missed God's best? Or do you believe that God's big enough to get you to his best? And lastly, do you ever begin a sentence describing yourself with the words, I'm just a. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. If so, you haven't realized the enormity of the power of God that is within you. So whose story are we going to believe? Well, we can sit here today and go, okay, yeah, get that. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That's good. Okay, tomorrow morning, how does it play out? So I now want to look at, um, has my watch stopped? That would be quite useful. (laughs) Um, I want to look at a number of ways that I've found helpful. I'm not expecting everybody to take every one of these, but I'm hoping that something in here will be helpful to help us take the truth that we see with our heads and get it into our hearts so that when we go into our job tomorrow morning, we walk out of the truth of who we really are rather than the truth of who we thought we were. Okay? How do we get God's truth to be bigger in us than our feelings and our circumstances? Okay, first key fact this is a bit of a shocker in our current culture feelings are probably the least reliable indicator of truth that we have. Actually, if we get that, everything changes. Feelings are probably the least reliable indicator of truth that we have. They are all over the place. God is consistent. If we anchor our lives in our feelings, we're going to be a shipwreck. If we anchor our lives in the truth of God, we'll be able to stand strong. First thought, you've been doing Ephesians. How about learning chapters 1 and 2? All the declarations. This is what Paul is saying. It's because of that that I'm calling you to live really well. So what if we learnt it? So at university, a number of us were... A a speaker had come and said he'd learned the whole of Romans off by heart in English and in Greek. I didn't try to take that one on, but I did decide I'd learn the first three chapters of Ephesians. And I actually get quite offended when somebody else speaks on Ephesians (laughs) now, because it's my book. (laughs) I own that book, Um, because it became life to me. And I remember one day... I was, I was struggling, I, you know, we're praying for the spirit of wisdom and knowledge. Yes, I've got that bit, um, that God would, would teach us and show us the hope to which we've been called, the, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of his power. And I'm going, oh, I can't remember what happens next, what happens next, what happens next? And I went back to my Bible and it said the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe. And I went, Whoa! That's incredible. His power is in me. And then I went on and I read, according to the great might that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Whoa, that is the power at work in me. Everything changed. God's power, that power at work in me. But it was by learning it that I did what Scripture talks about. It's about meditating on his word. The psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So that's just one way of, of... taking hold of this stuff second idea declare there's a principle in Romans where Paul says um, that God calls the things that are not as though they are so God looks out over the world and it's dark and he says light be and it's light so he calls into being things that are not yet there so in the world we're told seeing is believing Heaven's principle is believing is seeing. So what we're called to do is catch what God is saying in heaven and declare it on earth and find it to be true. And Jenny and I pray, walk around the area, and I remember one time a few years ago, Jenny was making these crazy declarations. I mean, they were so obviously untrue. They're true in heaven, but there's no way. And I was so glad she was saying it quietly because I thought, if anybody hears this, it is absolutely ludicrous. We look back now... And we go, oh yeah, that's a done deal. That's all happened. Wow. Okay, we take what we see in heaven and we declare it in earth. So, practical way for me is what I call mirror declarations. Um, a while back, I was about 35, husband, father, and I remember I was in a room and somebody said, oh, that man over there, and I was looking around to see where the man was. And I realized, I can't relate to being a man. I'm an 18 year old boy, I, I, I'm not a man, No, the, these great guys I see, they're men, I'm not. And so I started to declare truth to myself in the mirror, so every morning I would look and I would look myself in the eye and I would tell myself who God said I really was. And do you know to begin with, I would look myself in the eye and I would start to speak you are a man, of, and I, would, I would look away. I couldn't look myself in the eye in the mirror and declare that I was a man of God. That's not a big deal. Any one of us who's come to Jesus who's a man is a man of God. But I couldn't do it. I was so empty of who I really was in Christ. But I relentlessly did it. Every time I looked in the mirror, I go, you are a man of God. And i I could look myself in the eye. And then there came this amazing moment. I was at work, I'd just been to the loo, washing my hands, look in the mirror, and I go, ha, man of God. And I'm like, whoa, something's changed. Something had dropped from my head to my heart. I got it. That's who he says I am. So declarations. Laugh at anything that contradicts God's word. When we go through tough times, we call it God's Accelerated Maturity (laughs) Programme. Exactly. Because then we can laugh. And when someone says something really unfair to us, we call it a grace opportunity, because then we can laugh. And as soon as you laugh, you disempower the stuff that's coming at you. So we laugh. Okay, I thought we might try it, actually. I'm going to say something which is completely untrue, okay? And your task, when I say it, is to roar with laughter and say, that is a load of rubbish. Okay, we're just going to practice. Okay, this is untrue. You will never be good enough. (laughs) It's a load of rubbish. Okay, practice it. Have some fun. Whenever that wrong thought comes in, go, Ha! That's a load of rubbish. I'm not having that one. Give thanks. Psalm 50, the last verse, I can't quote it quite, but it's broadly saying that as we give a sacrifice of praise, in other words, we haven't seen it yet, but we give a sacrifice of praise. We prepare the way for salvation. I love that idea. We prepare the way for God to storm in and change things. So you see the tiniest bit of blue sky? Just give thanks. Get exuberant. Get excited. Whoa! No mind the storm clouds. I can see a little bit of blue. Yes! Yes! God's breaking through. This is so good. Give thanks. Prophesy. Help each other. Say so, you know, this word earlier on. You know, the pains, the difficulties. God's just speaking. He's saying, I want to release somebody. That's great. Let's do, it. let's do it over each other, but let's, do, let's call out, let's agree before God who we really are. Hey, Steve, you're a man of God. You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Let's call it out of each other. Let's keep declaring over each other. And, um, yeah, so, so we were in a meeting a, a number of years back, and someone was praying and prophesying over us, and they said, when you and Jenny walk into a room, crises are averted. I'm okay. going, yeah, I love that. Is it true? Not sure it is. Never mind that. It's what God's saying. Okay. So now we will choose to walk into a place and go, ha, crises are going to be crushed today. They're going to be averted because we're here. Not because we're anything, but because God's word says that. And actually, the good news is when any of us walk into a room, crises are averted because you carry the kingdom. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Far above every name, crisis is a name. You're seated above the name crisis. (laughs) Ha-ha. You have authority over the crisis. So when any of you walk into a room, crises are averted. Prophetic acts. I I find this really helpful. I was um, driving back from Bristol on Tuesday. I was listening to a talk on the CD player in the car, and I just got... I just went into a nosedive. All about identity, just stuff pouring out. I just... Oh, my goodness me. It's not good, not good, not good, not good. So I pulled into the... Next service station, said, God, we've got to do some business here. This is not good. There's a whole lot of stuff that's being stirred up in me and it shouldn't be here. So I was sitting at this table in the motorway service station and I was, I, and, and then I, I, I choose to act this out. I was like, okay, God, I'm, I'm taking that stuff out. That's not me. I'm taking it out. I'm putting it here on the table. And I thought, hmm, no, don't want anybody else to come and pick up my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll, actually, I'll get up and I'll leave. And uh, this is Heston Services, if you ever find the drains there. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I said, right, here's a drain. <laughs> Down he goes. Gone. And actually, do you know, it was amazing. I walked from that drain back to the car. I felt completely lighter, completely different. And the thoughts have come back to my mind from time to time over the last few days. And it's gone, no, 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 no. they're in the drain in Heston Services. Actually, they're probably in the Thames or the Sea now, but... Um, <laughs> But I was able to go, no, no, no. I know I did business with God in that place at that time. And I have a visual image. Of that stuff was that the way. So another little practical thing. Um, you can just flush these really bad ideas. Is that allowed? Are we allowed to talk about that? Okay. So you can just go, that idea wasn't very good. <laughs> just flush it. Should we practice that? <laughs> okay. So, and now, this is when we're talking to each other, okay? So maybe I'm talking with Steve and he says, oh, don't think I did very well today. And I go, Phew, let's flush that one, Steve. At that. No, not having that. You're a man of God. Boom. So we can just help each other with this. We can just go, that doesn't feel like a good declaration. Someone came into the healing yesterday and said, oh, I'm just a magnet for problems. And I thought, oh, no. Phew, that can go. <laughs> That's not a helpful declaration. No, I'm, not, I'm a child of God. Um, be filled with the spirit. Ephesians 5 says on it, going on and on and on and on and on and on, being filled with the Spirit. Why? The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. If we want to get who we really are, the more full of the Spirit we are, the more we'll catch who we really are. And lastly, as I've mentioned, Paul speaks um, about praying for the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. That is an amazing prayer for us to pray for each other every day. God, would you send your Spirit of wisdom and revelation on us so we really know who we are. Um, ooh, okay. What will the impact of that be? I'm going to have to run through this fairly swiftly. Um, I'm on the board of a small um, housing bank, and the other guys on the board are seriously impressive people, chief execs of all sorts of things. I have a choice every time I go in. I can choose to believe that it's just me. It's little me. I don't have the same client, the same experience, the same wisdom as these people. So actually, do you know, I'm sitting on this board, I'm waiting to be found out. And when I get found out, I'll be asked very nicely if maybe I'd like to leave. Or, I can decide I'm a child of the King of Kings because that's what Scripture says. I can go, hey, Scripture tells me that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And where am I? I'm in Christ whoa, this is really cool. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ, and I'm in Christ, so I consider the boardroom table. Wisdom on my left, knowledge on my right. Hey, these guys are really lucky to have me here. I'm a child of the King of Kings. I carry solutions, I carry wisdom, I carry knowledge. It's not arrogant. I'm just agreeing that what God says I am is actually true. And it's great. It's great. So I've made a habit of walking into those board meetings, and I just sit there as we begin, and I go, God, these guys, I hope none of them get the tape of this, these guys <laughs> these guys are, are so lucky to have me here. <laughs> <laughs> because, God, I carry your solutions. They're so good. Another beautiful example was, was Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Do you remember when it was discovered that his dad, that his parents broke up when he was very young, so he was brought up by his father, and he discovered that his father wasn't actually his father. The man who was actually his father had just died. And the press was saying, you know, Archbishop, how do you feel about this? And did you read what he said? He said, my identity is not in my genes. My identity is in Jesus Christ. Whoa. Wow. I mean, that would rock most of us. But he said, no. My identity hasn't changed. It's in Jesus Christ. What happens then if we can catch this? I'm just going to give you two or three things and then I'm going to wind up. So chapter 4 verse 2, Paul is now talking about how do we walk this out. He says, be humble and gentle. Okay. Let's just think about that. Humble and gentle. Okay. So we're told in Ephesians 2 that God made us alive with Christ He raised us up with Christ. He made us sit with Christ in the heavenly places. Question, how much of that was our work? None. So where's the room for pride? Anything I am, I am because the grace of God has done it in me. Without the grace of God, I hadn't a hope. So that means I am free to be humble and gentle Because all that I am is what God has done. Be patient with one another in love. How do I do that? Well, how do I do that? we have got a couple of people wearing purple. That's really important and prophetic. You're royalty. That's how we do it. If I'm speaking to Steve and I realize he's the son of a king, I will treat him really well. If this was Prince Charles, I don't care what mess he's making of my conversation. I will be patient because he's royalty, but actually, Steve's a bigger royalty, he's the son of a king of kings, he's not simply the son of an earthly monarch, so a little exercise, turn to the person next to you, tell them you are royalty, look them in the eye, because this is an important declaration, because it's true, look them in the eye, tell them you are royalty, Okay, second declaration you're going to make, this one's much harder. Turn to the same person, look them in the eye and say, I am royalty. <laughs> what if we believed that? What if we believed that? Hey, I'm going to treat you really well if I understand you're children of the King of Kings. So then we look at keeping unity. Well, what's the biggest issue with keeping unity? I think it's taking offense. Offense is actually pride. It's saying, I should be treated better than that. But hang on, there's no room for pride because everything God has made me, he's made me. It's not me. He's done it. And actually, if you offend me, do you know, the king of kings thinks I'm all right. (laughs) So that'll probably do. The king of kings in Colossians told Jesus is going to present us to the father without blemish and free from accusation. So some person in the world accuses me. Okay, I want to listen because I want to learn. If I've done something wrong, I want to learn. So I'm not saying don't listen. But actually, I don't need to let it get to me. It doesn't change my value because God says, you're my child. I love you. You are so valuable. So somebody can throw something at me. Doesn't need to stick because I'm a child of the King. Two last quick things: speaking the truth in love. You are know, terrified of that, aren't we? I and mean, I'm slightly concerned, actually, as I reflect on it, about the phrase "bold conversation," because to me that says it was about to be scary. Actually, if I know who I am, it's not bold conversation; it's clear conversation. It's me choosing to be very clear with you about what I'm seeing and what I'm trying to communicate. And actually, the only reason I'm frightened of the bold conversation, I'm frightened of what's gonna come back. But hang on, I'm a child of the King of Kings. Hey, he says that Jesus is gonna present me to him free from all accusation. So actually, if you don't like what I've said, I'll try and learn to say it better next time. But actually, it doesn't need to stick because the King of Kings has said I'm his son. Chapter 5, verse 18, I've mentioned this. Go on being filled and filled and filled with the Spirit. Why don't we pray that prayer? Because we don't realize who we are. If we realized who we were, we would have no difficulty in asking for more. When my children ask more, I love it. It's such a privilege as a dad to be able to give. It's not a problem. If they wake me up in the middle of the night, that's not a problem. I, I love being there for them. God is there for us. When we realize who we are, we'll be able to say, God, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. So there's a handful of suggestions as to how we can appropriate this and what would happen if we did. Now, I want to suggest that we could respond to this. We're going to have communion now. Um, and I'm going to suggest a way we could do that. What is really important, though, is that you must respond and connect with God in the way that works for you and God. Okay? If that's sitting in your chair doing business with them, that's totally okay. So I'm just going to make a suggestion. It's not a, utterly not a requirement on anybody. There's a cross here. I hope and pray that God has brought some revelation as I've been speaking and as we were worshipping I'm quite certain as we were worshipping we began to think oh hang on I'm I'm declaring these things Do I believe them so the invitation is to take a post-it note from the chair there and write the stuff that you realise is not who you are and put it on the cross Okay, so you fold it over no one's ever going to read it the drawing pin's there pin it on the cross walk away if that feeling that is it is who you are comes back, uh-uh, 9th of July, Balaam Vineyard, I nailed it to the cross. Jesus took it. He took all my burdens. I am set free. Then you can come and take communion. And then you can take one of these sheets, which is about 15 declarations, all from the book of Ephesians, which I've just headed my true identity. And you just take this as medicine. Three times a day, okay? You declare them all. In the mirror, if that helps, or to a friend, if that helps. Declare them all three times a day. Just agree, this is the truth of who we are. So you can come up to the cross, put the junk there, walk away. Take communion, receive the truth of who you really are. And the good news is, if you're saying, I'm not part of this family, there's something interesting here, but I've I've never connected with God. Well, today's a great day. You can do exactly the same. You can pin some, you can pin whatever you know has kept you from God on the cross, and you can walk away from it right now, knowing you're completely forgiven that his grace, his love, his kindness is lavished on you. He's pouring it down. Then you can come and you can take communion. And I'll explain a bit what that's about. And then you can take a declaration. You can find out who you really are. And your life can be changed. This can be the day when your life took a totally new direction, partnering with the King of Kings. So it's an invitation to everyone, all of us, to catch who we are, whether we've caught it to some extent or not at all. So I'm just going to explain a bit about communion, and then I'll pray, if that's okay, we go. That. So we're going to take the bread and the wine. The way that it's done here is, what did you say? Rip and dip. That's right. OK. I thought it was chunk and dunk, but okay. <laughs> <coughs> so you, you take so you, just, you take a bit of the bread off, you dip it in the wine. What are we doing? Well, we're doing it because Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember me. What are we remembering? He said, my body is broken for you. I think we can take two key things from that. His body was broken so that our bodies can be well. We're told that he took all our sickness when he died on that cross he didn't just take our sin he took everything that stops us being fully well so we can take this bread going god your body was torn to pieces so that mine could be put together thank you and we could look at it also on a corporate basis his body was broken so that we his body can be well So you might, if you're not well, you might want to write down your sickness there and pin it to the cross and go, do you know, I'm seated above that. I thought I was under that sickness. Actually, I'm seated with Christ over it. I'm pinning it to the cross. I'm letting it go. Or you might say, do you know, I've been carrying offence against such and such a person. Oh, now I see that's breaking the unity that we have in the body of Christ. I'm going to put that person's name on the cross and choose to bless them. And then we take the wine, and again, I think we can see two things in that. The wine is Jesus represents Jesus' blood, shed for us. That was the price He paid, that we can be washed completely. Completely. Oh, that's such an important word, completely. If you're sitting there going, oh, "No, no, 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 not my stuff," you're wrong. <laughs> His blood was shed so we can be completely forgiven. But also in the Old Testament, when the people of God were released from slavery in Egypt, the blood of the lamb was put on the doors to protect them. So I think it's right that we take the blood knowing we're forgiven, and I think we can take it knowing we're protected, we're kept safe. So Father, thank you so much, God, for the truth in your word as to who we really are. Father, we pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to be on us, Lord. Father, so these truths would drop from our heads to our hearts and we'd get it. Father, we want to take that decision boldly to choose to believe that what you say about me is the truth. We choose to lay down and reject the things that we thought were us, which don't align with you. We choose to agree that our identity is what you say it is. And we pray for your spirit to be on us so we can walk that out. Thank you. And as we take the bread and the wine, Father, we pray that that bread will be to us your body, broken for us individually, broken for us corporately, so that we can be put back together. And we thank you for the wine. We pray, Lord God, that it would be to us, your blood shed for us. For a complete washing from everything we've ever done wrong. Completely set free, fresh start. And then protection, guarding for the future. Amen.